This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. It always amazes me that the radio audiences back in the day bought the storyline of the shadow. Now, here we have a character who, in real life, is a rich, bon vivant man about town, Lamont Cranston, who, when he becomes the shadow, has the power to cloud men's minds so they can't see him. <laughs> well, actually, the character originated in 1930s pulp novels and became one of the most famous adventure heroes of the 20th century. Originally simply a mystery radio narrator who hosted a program designed to promote magazine sales for Street and Smith publications, The Shadow was developed into a distinctive literary character later to become a pop culture icon by writer Walter B. Gibson in 1931. The character has been cited as a major influence on the subsequent evolution of comic book superheroes, particularly Batman. Now, recognizing the demand and uh, responding promptly, circulation manager William Henry Ralston of Street and Smith commissioned Walter B. Gibson to begin writing stories about the shadow and using the pen name of Maxwell Grant and claiming the stories were from, quote, the shadow's private annals, as told to him, Gibson wrote 282 out of the 325 tales over the next 20 years, a novel-length story twice a month. Wow. What a prodigious amount of work. Gibson's characterization of the shadow laid the foundations for the archetype of the superhero. The shadow operated mainly after dark as a vigilante in the name of justice and terrifying criminals into vulnerability. And because of the great effort involved in writing two full-length novels every month, several guest writers were hired to write occasional installments to uh, lighten Gibson's workload. These guest writers included David uh, Lester Dent, that is, and he also wrote the Doc Savage stories. Now, the introduction from the Shadow Radio program, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow knows. Well, that was spoken by actor Frank Reddick Jr., and it's earned a place in the American idiom. We'll hear these uh, words of and that ominous laugh coming up very shortly as we present the episode Murder. In the Death House. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. 
The shadow uses his hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the unseen voice of the shadow belongs. Today's story, Murder in the Death House. It is seven o'clock in the evening. Margot is in the office of Wilson M. Tuttle, head of the new reform party called the Citizens Committee. Miss Lane, I'm going to make you my aide in the Women's Division of the Citizens Committee. You've shown such zeal in recruiting people to our cause. Well, the I... cause of a cleaner state is one that isn't hard to work for, Mr. Tuttle. You're right, Miss Lane. As you probably know, I'm an amateur at politics myself. But when I knew, when I understood what graft and corruption there was in our state... I decided it was time for me to take an active interest. Well, if we get Warden Cooper in the governor's chair, things in this state will change for the better. I hope so. But the machine that controls things in this state isn't going to give up without a fight. And I can promise you it won't be a fair one. You mean that they'll try to discredit Warden Cooper in the voters' eyes? Certainly. There's a ring of racketeers and mobsters in this state headed by one man. The underworld refers to him as the brain. That's all anybody seems to know about him. Well, I know one person who'd like to meet him. And who is that, Miss Lane? Why, a friend of mine. Oh, by the way, what time is it? Uh, 7.20. 7.20? Good heavens, and I was supposed to meet Lamont at 6.45. I've got to go, Mr. Tuttle. But I haven't told you what your duties are. Well, I'll come and see you tomorrow. Lamont will be furious. <laughs> all right, Miss Lane. I'll expect you at the People's Rally tonight, though. <laughs> Margo, uh, would you mind telling me where I'm going in such a hurry? To a meeting of the Citizens Committee, Lamont, and we're late now. Oh. Uh, Margo, uh, just what is this Citizens Committee? What is it? Why, it's the most potent organization in this town. We're fighting crime and corruption, crooked politics and graft. Oh, easy, Margo, easy. I have to get you a derby and a soapbox. But, Lamont... <laughs> With Warden Cooper as our candidate for governor and Wilson Tuttle behind us, we ought to sweep the state. You take another corner like that and the state will be sweeping us out of a ditch. Say, um, who is this fellow Tuttle? A retired lawyer. He has scads of money. And with his support behind us... Here we go, sweeping the state again. Too bad you won't be alive to enjoy it. Oh. Say, Margot, uh... What does this Citizens Committee stand for? Law and order. And we're going Law to... Law and order, eh? Now, listen, Margot. I know Warden Cooper, and if he's elected, the first thing I'm going to have him clean up is reckless driving. And I do mean you. Oh, but, Lamont, I've simply got to hear the speeches. Has it ever occurred to you that you have a radio in this car of yours? A radio? Oh, please, Lamont, I... Oh, yes, of course I have. And the speeches are being broadcast? Oh, dear, so they are. Why didn't I think of that? That, Margot, might come under the heading of womanly intuition. Takes a second to warm up. Of course, that every citizen of our great what country should be proud to fight for. The cause of law and order. Oh, isn't he wonderful? He's a powerful speaker, but I don't... Lamont, I want to hear this speech. It's the... We have the governorship of our state. A man who, if elected would make this state the cleanest in the country. Warden Richard Cooper. Unfortunately, Warden Cooper cannot be with us tonight in person. He has his duties to perform at the state penitentiary, but 
He will speak to us from there by special wire. Ladies and gentlemen of the Citizens Committee and of our state, I give you Warden Richard Cooper, our next governor. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tuttle spoke of the duties that keep me here at the penitentiary tonight. I believe you all know what those duties are. Tonight, Killer Gorin is to pay his debt to society. And a large debt, that is. At this very moment, Gorin sits in a death house of this prison. He boasted that he couldn't be captured and convicted. When he was captured and convicted, he boasted that we couldn't execute him. That the leader of his ring of racketeers and mobsters would rescue him. Well, ladies and gentlemen, tonight is the night when Killer Gorin will pay for his crimes against society. I stand on my record. Killer Gorin will die in the chair tonight. Warden says I'm going to croak in the chair tonight, eh? That's a good laugh. You ain't got very long, Gorin. I ain't got long? I got my whole life in front of me. They're not going to fry me tonight. I got connections. Pipe down, Gordon. I don't have to pipe down for you, screw up, or anybody else. You can tell that to your warden. Gordon, I've never seen a man as hard as you. You asked for a radio to hear the warden's speech when you knew he was going to talk about you going to the chair. I'd just like to hear my name mentioned coast to coast. Gordon, if you weren't going to... Well, you'll get yours. Hey, Gorn, you oughtn't act like that tonight. What about tonight? Well, look, we're all in this place together. You're going tonight. Smokey over there goes next week, and then I follow. So what? Uh, well, I try not to think about it. But you don't give me a chance to forget. Now, look, Shem, I don't have to worry. I'm getting out. But if it'll make you feel any better, I'll quit talking. Hey, Smokey. Yes, yes. Give us a song. No, I don't get him to sing it again. It's too sad. You heard me, Smokey. Give us a song. What you all want me to sing, killer? Something good and unhappy. We got to keep Chum here cheered up. Okay. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Shut up, Smokey. Shut up. Give it up, Smokey. You're terrific. Michael, stop that song. It's driving me out of my head. I like it. Give it up, Smokey. Give it up. Give it up. Stop this racket. What's the meaning of all this? Speak up. It's Smokey singing, Warden. It's driving me nuts. All right. All right. Quiet, you men. Gone. I've come to tell you that the time has come. So what? The chaplain is with me. Wouldn't you like to say something to him? Now, please, my son, let me speak with you for a few minutes. I'm sure you'll feel much better. <laughs> You're all acting like I was really going to fry tonight. Well, I ain't. You understand, Warden? I ain't going to fry in the chair. And you ain't going to be governor. Because you're going to look pretty silly when people find out you can't run this prison right. What are you talking about? The brain don't like you, Warden. And he'd like you even less if you get to be governor. So, he's going to stop you. The brain. My boss. Only one guy in this state knows who he really is. And that's me. And your boss, the brain, as you call him, 
is out to get me. Out to get you? <laughs> he gets you now. We'll see about that. God, I'm not going sell. Yes, sir. Gorham, since you refused the comfort that the chaplain has offered you... Please, son, for the last time. Let chaplain save your breath. I ain't gonna die. All right, let's start. Guards on either side. Chaplain, you and I walk behind. Come on, Gorham. This is your last mile. That's what you think. <laughs> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah, this feels thy good. I needed exercise. So long, Gorham. My white boy. <laughs> it won't hurt much, killer. They tell me it's over quick. I'll be back in a few minutes, fellas. Open the door, guard. Uh, just a minute, warden. Yes? Now that you got me where you want me, can I have a last request? Anything within reason, Gorn? Well, when they strap me in the chair and they put the clamp on my head, that's what they do, ain't it? Yes, Gorn. And then when they turn on the juice, would you hold my hand... The warden ready, God? Yeah. He said to wait for his signal to throw the switch. Good. I'm glad we're getting this over with in a hurry tonight. I want to get home. My wife isn't feeling so well. Yeah? Is that so? Yeah, she's been ailing now for... Uh, uh, say, what's the matter with you? I... I don't know. Oh, I get it. You're new here at the prison, aren't you? Yeah. Well, it's sort of tough to watch him get it the first couple of times. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Now, you'd better stay in here with me. The warden asked why you didn't come back into the death chamber. I'll tell him that you were helping me. Thanks. And it won't be so bad in here. You don't have to watch anything. When I get the signal, I just throw this big switch here, and it's all over in a few minutes. That's it, huh? Yep, that's it. <laughs> Stop! Let go! You'll be killed! Warden! 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 The executioner, he's... Shut off the main switch! No, don't touch that! The main switch! All right. He's dead. The executioner is dead. I told you they couldn't kill me! to make of it, Commissioner Weston. Here I thought we had the strongest man in the state as our candidate for governor, and, and to have this happen. It wasn't the warden's fault, Mr. Tuttle. The electric chair was rewired to kill the man who touched the switch. But Gorn is going to be executed tonight, for sure. The warden has found a new executioner, and there'll be no slip-up this time. I hope not. I hope that Warden Cooper's reputation for efficiency hasn't suffered too much already. Well, I'm... Hi, Commissioner. Remember me? What? Oh, how did you get past the man at the desk? Well, that's a fine way to greet old. I'll man. have that man McGuire fired. I'll have him broken. Oh, hello, what Mr. Kind of Trotter, I didn't know you were for... here. Yes, Miss Lane. I came to speak with Commissioner Weston about the happenings of the prison. You two know each other? Yes, Miss Lane is one of my assistants on the committee. Oh, Mr. Tuttle, this is Mr. Cranston. How do you do, Mr. Tuttle? Cranston, hello. you're an awful nuisance. Why do you bother me all the time? Coming in here like you like. Commissioner, I'm writing a book. What did I tell you, Mr. Tuttle? This man haunts me, never leaves me alone. What kind of a book, Mr. Cranston? Well, it's not much of a book at present. It's uh, mostly notes. Uh, but I'm going to call it Crime and Its Causes. Oh, sounds very interesting. Interesting. What can an amateur Sherlock Holmes know about crime and its causes? You're right, Commissioner. Absolutely right. I'm just an amateur. No experience. 
That's why you're going to get me into the death house of the state prison tonight as a guard. What? So I can get some local color for my book, some authentic realism. You think I'm crazy? No, but you better watch your blood pressure, Commissioner. Now, look, Weston, tonight Goran is going to the chair. Don't you see what drama there is there? There may be drama there, but you're not going to be there as a guard or anything else. But my literary future depends on it. No. Please. No. If I promise not to bother you for a month. Absolutely no, I wouldn't. What? One whole month, just for one night... As a prison guard. Now you're talking. Branson, if I get you into the prison tonight, you'll stay away from me for a month. Word of honor. Branson, you've made a bargain. But to insure me from you for at least a week, you're going to stay in the death house not just one night. You're going to stay there for seven whole days. I'll show you. Yeah. You're the new guard, ain't you? Orton said you'd be on tonight with me. Yeah. Well, things are pretty quiet right now. But you never... Hey, Kenzie. Uh... Who's the new screw? Shut up, Goran. Hey, just Run. a minute, Kenzie. I... I'd like to talk to Mr. Goran. Sure, that's a chance to speak with me, Kenzie. So, you're the notorious killer Goran, huh? Well, I ain't the warden. <laughs> What's your moniker? I, uh... My name is Jones. John Jones. I'm pleased to meet you. Now, look, Screw. Just to get things straight around here, I run this place. But I say go. Get it? I understand what you said, if that's what you mean. Oh, a smart guy, huh? <laughs> you know, it ain't everyone that can talk back to me and get away with it. <laughs> so everyone's afraid of you, huh? Sure. I'm the guy they can't kill. Say, how did you work that Goran? I got connections. Now you got to know the right people, Screw. You certainly was an amazing escape from the chair, all right. Yeah, sure was. Um, did you uh, see the spread I got in all the papers? Yeah. Listen, you'll pardon me for saying it, but I don't think the pictures did you justice. You know, that's just what I think. I'm a better-looking mug than those newspaper pictures showed me up to be. Why, sure. You ought to have your own photographer take them. Then you could be sure. Hey, that's a swell idea, Joan. I'll do that. You know, I like you. Maybe I can help you. Yeah? How? By having you meet up with the real bunch that's running this state. You're a smart guy, Gordon. Yeah. There's only one guy in the state who's smarter. Yeah? Yeah, the brain. <laughs> He's the one who had the chair rewired and bumped off the executioner last night. Oh, I wondered how that was done. He runs everything in the state. Every racket, every mob. You, uh, you think the warden runs this prison? Well, who does? Brain. We've got men planted all over this place. How would a guy get in with him? You, uh, you mean you'd like to get in? Yeah. Maybe you are in. <laughs> if I say so. Now listen. Tonight when the break comes. The break? You don't think I'm going to stick around and give him another chance to put me in the chair, do you? I did last night because the brain ordered it. It was to make the warden look bad so he wouldn't have a chance of being governor. Say, that's pretty smart. Yeah, yeah, we thought so. But you ain't very smart, Cranston. What did you call me? Cranston. I know why you're here, Stool. I see. How did you know my name? I got ways of finding out. And you knew all the time. 
Then all that talk about the jailbreak was just... There's going to be a break, all right. But it ain't going to do you any good to know about it. I'm going to bump you off myself. Just before. Well, maybe you are, and maybe you're not. I... Oh! <laughs> nice work, Kinsey. Gosh, Gwen. Suppose he'd seen me coming up behind him. Suppose he'd been able to get to the warden. Well, he didn't, so don't worry, Kenzie. Now go on, drag the guy Cranston over in the corner. They're out of sight. When the break comes, I'll fix him so he'll never talk again. Come in, Mr. Hartman. Sit down. Hey, thanks, warden. Now, uh, Mr. Hartman, as our new executioner, you realize what your job is, don't you? Yes, warden, I... I realize. It's not a pleasant task, but it, it's one that must be done. You must realize that when you throw the switch, that you're not the one who is executing the man. It's the state and the people of the state. And the man is merely paying for his crimes. Please, Warden, I, I'd rather not talk about that part of it. All right. Well, I've had electrical experts in from town. They've been going over everything all day, but just to make sure, you'd better go over the equipment again. Yes, sir. And uh, that's all for now. Can you be ready in about 45 minutes for the execution? Uh, yes, sir. And thank you, Lord. That's all. Poor uh, fellow. Scared stiff. I can't say I blame him. Huh? Who's that? Who just came in? Uh, it must be my imagination. This business has got me pretty jumpy. <laughs> Who's there? I can hear your voice, but I can't see you. Men call me the Shadow. Shadow? You've heard of me? Yes, I've heard of you, Shadow. You fight crime and injustice. You're the fellow nobody can see. Yes, and that's why I'm here. What do you want of me? What do you know of the murder of the executioner? Nothing, Shadow. Strange it should happen after Goran had boasted that he couldn't be killed in the chair. Shadow, I'm fighting for law and order. Killer Goran will definitely die tonight. At this very moment, the new executioner is testing the equipment. What? There'll be no slip-ups this time. When did he go to test the equipment? Just a few minutes ago. Why? Warden, I've just examined the wiring. Those men you hired to go over it have fixed it so that the whole west wall of the prison will be blown off at the first touch. It was planned for a prison break. Quick, we must stop him before he touches anything. Come on! Back to your cells or I'll fire. There's only one guard and 20 of us. The rest of the guards on this side must have been knocked off in the explosion. Get out of my way, guard, or we'll let you have it. Shoot him, Abby. Don't want to go in. Shoot him. That's got him. Come on, man. Oh, stop where you are. All of you, stop. Hey, look. That gun's hanging in the air by itself. Yeah. yeah. The shadow is holding that gun. Go back to your cells. Go back, I say. If there ain't nothing there, how can I stop it? Yes. Come on. Come on, man. Does that convince you? I fired above your heads that time, but the next time I'll aim lower. Hey, you ain't kidding. Let's go back. All right, Warden. We've got to stop for a minute. Lock him in. Shadow, are you still here? Yes, Warden. 
I want to thank you for what you've done. I don't know how I could have stopped that prison break without you. I've failed, and so have you. But the prison break is stopped. The prison break is stopped, but Killer Goran has escaped. But was it necessary for you to bring these reports over to me tonight, Miss Lane? Well, I suppose they could have waited until tomorrow for your signature, Mr. Tuttle, but... Well, I had nothing to do, so I thought I'd bring them over tonight. Now you can have more time to look them over. Well, thank you very much. I'll, I'll do that. My, you have a lovely home here, Mr. Tuttle. Yes, I, well, Miss Lane, it won't be necessary for you to remain. I can go over these reports from the Citizens Committee myself. Oh, I don't mind waiting. I've got nothing else to do since Lamont got locked up in prison as a guard. Uh, yes, yes. Well, I'll just sign these papers there, and you can take them back to town with you. What, without reading them first? Oh, no, that's very bad business, Mr. Tuttle. But, uh, my eyes are bad. I, I think it would be better for... Oh, I'll be glad to read them to you. Please, Miss Lane, I think you'd better go now. But I have no place to go, and I love to read love. I think you'd better go, Miss Lane. Oh, there's your doorbell, Mr. Tuttle. You want me to answer it for you? No, I'll get it. Why, it's... Killer Goran. Yes, my little busybody, Killer Goran. What's the dame doing here, boss? He came to see me about the Citizens Committee report. She wouldn't go. How... I'll go now, Mr. Tuttle. Oh, no, my dear Miss Lane. Now you're going to stay here permanently. What? Mr. Tuttle, you want... Yes, to... Miss Lane. Wilson Tuttle, known to the world as a prominent citizen on the side of law and order. But my associates know me as the brain. Then you're the one who's been trying to ruin Warden Cooper. Spoil his chances of being governor. Yes, my dear Miss Lane, now you know, but your knowledge will do neither you nor the police any good. Because, you see, you're going to die here. Oh, no. No, you couldn't. I won't say anything. Too late, Miss Lane. You wouldn't insist on staying. Doran, give me the gun. Sure. Yeah, boss. Turn your head, Miss Lane. I should like very much to get a nice, clean profile shot. Honey, you can't do this thing. You can't. Goodbye, Miss Lane. It was so nice knowing... Oh. Hey, what is this? What's happened to you, boss? The same thing that's going to happen to you, Goran. Oh, oh Lamont, you're here. Yes, Margot, and just in time, too. Are they unconscious? For about five minutes, I should say. Oh, you know, Shadow, if I could see you, I'd say I was very happy to see you. Stick around, will you? I'll stay until the police come to put these men away. But I've got to get back to the prison. Prison? But your work is done there. The shadow's work is done, Margot. But Lamont Cranston promised Commissioner Weston that he would stay in prison for a week. I've got to help him keep that promise. Well, Miss Lane, I just sent for Mr. Cranston. He ought to be here in my office any minute. Do you think prison has changed him much, Warden? <laughs> I bet it's knocked some of the crazy notions out of his head. Oh, Lamont, darling, it's so nice to see Hello, you. Hello, Margo. And Commissioner. Hello, Cranston. We're here to let you know that you're being uh, pardoned for good behavior. <laughs> Thank you. How about the crime book, Lamont? Did you get any worthwhile material? Oh, we must have, yes. What with the prison break and escapes? I'll bet you got some exciting data, Cranston. Well, uh, I did write one chapter when I was here. Uh, about the perils of a guard in the death house? Worse than that, Commissioner. The perils of riding with a woman driver. Oh, Lamont. <laughs> the 
Today's program is based on a story copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. The Shadow Magazine is on sale at your local newsstand. Stay tuned for Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for that insurance investigator with the copious notes and records of his daily expenditures with Edmund O'Brien starring as Johnny Dollar in the episode The Earl Chadwick Matter. From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. The Ambassador Travel Agency calling back, Mr. Dollar. Oh, yeah. Your reservation for Bermuda has just been confirmed. Pan-American, flight number 134. You'll leave LaGuardia at 10.30 a.m., arrive at Kindley Field, Bermuda, 2.30 p.m. Got it. We'll send the tickets right over. It's been a pleasure to serve you, sir, and I hope you have an enjoyable stay in Bermuda. Is it a vacation? Well, hardly. I'm going down there to look up a dead man. Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Tri-State Life Insurance Company, attention Leland Scarf, Chief Adjuster. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Earl Chadwick matter. Expense account item one, $1.80, cab fare to your Hartford office. The man has been seen alive, Dollar. I never was satisfied that he was dead. His boat, a small cruiser, was found wrecked, you know, but never a body. How long ago was that? A little over four years ago, 1945. He was declared dead in 1947 in appellate court, and we were forced to meet the claim of his widow, or his wife and accomplice, as it might seem now. Go ahead. Here's the lady that saw and spoke to him. Mrs. Marshall, this is Mr. Dollar. How do you do? Mrs. Marshall? Now, I want you to tell Mr. Dollar what you told me, Mrs. Marshall, if you will. Well, my husband and I had been in Bermuda for three days. Mrs. Marshall, explain that you knew Earl Chadwick before. Oh, yes, yes, we knew him not too well, thank heaven, but well enough to be pointed out as friends of that embezzler. You know how people are. Embezzler, Mrs. Marshall? Oh, yes, there was attendant theft. He worked at the Monticello Loan Company in New York City. $30,000 disappeared at the same time he did. Police theory was that he wrecked his boat while attempting to leave with the money. Uh, now, Mrs. Marshall, how you happen to see him? Uh, we'd been there three days, and that night we went to this nightclub in Hamilton, slumming, so to speak. It's called the Port of Castile on the waterfront. It had been a number of years, mind you, and Chadwick was much thinner, but I recognized him. He was seated with some sailors, and I said, Jerome... Doesn't that look like Earl Chadwick? And then you spoke to him. What else could I do? I was dying of curiosity. When he got up to leave, I met him and said, Aren't you Earl Chadwick? He denied it, of course. But being that close, I'm positive that it was. What did he say? Did he give you a name? No, no, but I found out. I felt I was quite within my rights in asking a few questions. The name he's using is George Brewster. Well, Dollar, 
What about Chadwick's wife? What happened to her? She remarried one of his business associates, Harold Anderson. Yeah. I had the girls draw up a complete record on the case. Photographs, police reports, everything you'll need. Uh, the wife's address is there in Queens, I think. All right, Mr. Scarf. I'll do what I can. Expense account item two. $250 plane ticket and miscellaneous expenses between Hartford and Bermuda. I drew an aisle seat and one of the worst hazards of air travel or any other kind of travel. I'll tell you something. It pays to study these places before you go to them. I've been out there before. Nothing teaches like experience. But before my first trip, I knew more about Bermuda than lots of the folks that lived there, eh? Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, yes, sir. <clears throat> Quite a history. Spoiled now, though. People aren't worth anything anymore. Know what spoiled them? Tourists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, took away all their ambition. Turned them into a bunch of lazy beggars and horse traders. Don't farm anymore. Don't do anything but work the tourists. Now, uh, I don't want to be a wet blanket, you understand? Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, keep an eye on your wallet. They'll strip you if you give them a chance. Uh, my business is farm tools. What's yours? Yes, sir. My name is Dollar. Here's my credentials. I'd like to see the chief constable. Yes, sir. Yes? Uh, Mr. Dollar to see you, sir, an insurance investigator from the States. Yes, of course, sir. Send him in. Right, sir. At that door, Mr. Dollar. Thank you. Pleasure, Mr. Dollar. Your company cabled that you were coming. Sit down. Thank you. Well, now, uh... You're here to look into the affairs of one George Brewster. What's he been up to? I'm not sure he's been up to anything yet. According to a witness, he answers the description of a man who disappeared from New York a few years ago with $30,000. He was declared dead, and the company that hired me paid off an $80,000 insurance claim to his wife. I see. Quite a valuable chap. Yeah, if he is the chap. What about this Brewster? Do you people know him? We acquainted ourselves with him after the cable arrived. Nothing against him. Lives a rather rum life. Doesn't seem to have much. Are his papers in order? Passport? Visas? I uh, trust that he wouldn't be here if they were not. Like any other paradise, Mr. Dollar, Bermuda is forced to accept the existence of a certain percentage of misplaced or lost persons on its outskirts. That's what they are. They? Here's the address. Thank you. The lower end of King George Road, if you wish transportation. No, no, don't bother. The walk will do me good. I decided against the King George Road address. Instead, I returned to my hotel, memorized the photographs of Earl Chadwick, subtracting a little weight from the somewhat flabby face. And that night, I found myself a table near the door at the Port of Castile. I sat there nursing a minimum of foul drinks. It was ten o'clock before he came in and found standing space at the bar. George Brewster? Hmm? Or Earl Chadwick? What's the matter with you? What is this? I'm curious, too. How about coming over to my table? All right. 
You act like a cop. Just 50% cop, no badge. I'm working for Tri-State Life Insurance Company. What does that mean? They insured a man and paid off to his wife. Now, now they aren't sure he's dead. He belongs to that other name you threw at me. What was it? Chadwick? Earl Chadwick. And I must look like him. Here's a snapshot. Huh. He's fatter, but it's pretty close at that. You know, about a week ago, some crazy old dame I never saw before called me some other name. It might have been Chadwick. I thought she'd drunk over her quota. She was an old friend of Chadwick's. She swears she'd recognize him if, if she saw him. And she swears she saw him. Oh, it's weird, isn't it? I suppose it happens more often than we know about. What do you want? My papers and stuff? They might help. Sure, I'll write down my address. Um, and, uh, uh, come on out anytime tomorrow. Uh, there you are. Thank you. I should recover from these drinks by noon. Well, that'll be all right. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Things like this could get your goat. George was talking about last night? Probably. I'm Johnny Dollar. Is George here? No, he had to leave. He said you could come in. He said you could look at this, George. Here's his passport, cards, things. How long have you known him? Two years last month. You know where he came from? Never asked me where I came from. Uh, this guy, he looks like. He had a wife? Yeah. I want to take some of his personal things into town to check his prints against this passport. Shaving brush, if he uses one, tubes, jars, anything. You think he's the guy? I'll have to find out. Never mind. Uh, you told me you were going. The prints would check against the passport, but it wouldn't make any difference. Now that it's started, why stretch it out? Why not make it easy? George? No, Earl. I'd almost forgotten. Earl. Uh, where can we talk? I've got a hotel room. The statement he made filled in most of the blanks in the case. One, his wife was to have met him in Mexico City, but hadn't. Two, most of the stolen funds had gone to his wife to keep her going until she collected the insurance. So she got married. I didn't know that. She told me to wait, and I did. Grace, married. We can leave for the States Grace anytime you're Harold. ready. Huh? Oh, I can be ready anytime you say. All I have to do is pack a few things and say goodbye to Fran. Expense account item three. Space for two on New York-bound plane. Chadwick was a hard man to figure out. But one thing I did realize, now that he'd started, he was almost happy to be going back to the people he'd left. We arrived in the evening, and the next morning, I was told when I telephoned that Mrs. Grace Chadwick Anderson and her husband were at home and would receive me. Oh, good morning. I... Hello, Grace. Harold. I beg your pardon. Oh, I understand, Harold. 
this must be the man that Mrs. Marshall phoned about. You know, the one in Bermuda. Oh, come now, Grace. That's no good. Who are you, anyway? Mr. Dar, for what purpose did you and this man come here? I brought him here so you could identify him as your missing husband. That's idiotic. There is the faintest resemblance, yes, but that's all. What, uh, what do you have in mind, Mr. Dollar? Now, no crude extortion attempt like this will get you anything but arrest. I knew Earl Chadwick, and I'll swear under oath that this man is not he. I should think you would, Harold. Who are you? Where did you learn my name? Get him out of here. Why? Why not talk over old times, Grace? Wait a minute. All right, Mrs. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. I'm sorry I've taken up your time. Come on. Dollar, what's the matter? You too? Come on. I'm sorry, dear. I know it's been a pleasure for you. Who do you think I am? I asked you, who do you think I am? That doesn't count. You're legally dead. What about your parents? They're dead. But I have friends or people that knew me. They're no good. If your wife won't identify you, they're no good. You worked for a loan company. They must have your prints. I took them from the files and destroyed them when I left. How are your teeth? What? Teeth. Who was your dentist here in town? Dr. Uh, uh, Field. It's been so long. Dr. Homer Field. Uh, 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 Drake, professional building Manhattan. He'll still have your x-rays on file. They're as good as fingerprints. Go there this morning. Don't use your name. Give him your other name, George Brewster. Have a new set of x-rays taken. I'll do the rest. All right. Hold it. Now, look, I don't have to hire somebody to follow you, do I? No. Oh, no. Not after I've seen them. You don't have to worry about my going anyplace. Expense account item four, $25 services of a private detective. Assignment, tailing Earl Chadwick and or George Brewster. At one o'clock, he had left the dentist's office and gone to his hotel room. At three, he was still there. And at 4.30, I arrived in the office of Dr. Homer Field. Brewster? Oh, yes, yes. His x-rays have come through. They're on the clamps. Uh, don't, don't touch them, please. Uh, what is your interest? Police identification. Oh, oh yes, yes. Well, always happy to cooperate. Thank you. Now, how about digging in your files for the x-rays on a patient named Chadwick? Earl Chadwick. Um, I'd be glad to. Chadwick, 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 Chadwick. Earl M. Chadwick, is that your man? That's the name. Ah, well, 1945. Ooh. He should have been in for hygiene. Those pictures, how do they compare with this new set? Brewster. Well, uh, let's have a look. Ah. Now, there's malocclusion, lower bicuspid, impacted third molar. Ah, erosion inlay, very interesting. You mean they're the same in both sets of pictures? Oh, no, 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 definitely not. Oh. But a man's mouth could change since 1945, couldn't it? Yes, yes, it could, especially with neglect, but that would never cause a man to grow new teeth. Now, you see here, Brewster has one more incisor than Chadwick. The whole character of the the mouth is different, I see. Yeah, yeah. 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 I see, it's different, all right. Definitely. These two men would not look even faintly alike. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first, down the old ox road, learn to croon straight from the shoulder. Milestones in popular American music. 
Milestones in the career of one of America's favorite troubadours, Bing Crosby. This Wednesday night, over most of these same CBS stations, you're invited to hear the Bing Crosby Show. Bing Crosby with the music of John Scott Trotter, with the rhythm airs with Ken Carpenter. Here's the show designed for the whole family. A pleasant and diverting mixture of music and merriment, guided by the one and only Bing Crosby. Plan now to hear the Bing Crosby Show this Wednesday night on CBS. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Look, Dr. Field, these x-rays labeled Earl Chadwick, could they be misfiled? Could they be under the wrong name? Misfiled? No, definitely not. My assistant has been with me for ten years. Never made a mistake yet. Mm. Well, then could anyone else have gotten in here and planted a different set under that name? But why? I would realize the difference the moment I looked into the mouth. That erosion inlay alone. Yeah, I know. Look, your office. Has it been broken into? Yeah, a long time ago, for narcotics. How long ago? Six, seven years ago, during the war. But not since then. I've missed nothing. The janitor, the nightman, does he have a key? Uh, no, no, it's cleaned in the evening just before I leave. Uh, r- robbery is out of the question. Uh, uh, just what is your problem, Mr. Dollar? Well, if I wanted to plan some x-rays in a file, where could I get some? Well, I never thought of it. But uh, Where would I go? Would you give me some? Oh, no, no, definitely not. That would be most unethical, un- unless, of course, you were a patient of mine and the x-rays were of your own mouth. Oh, thank you, doctor. I think that's what I wanted to hear you say. Before dark, I made two more stops, searching for something to help me prove that Earl Chadwick was alive, if he was. The Hall of Records had nothing but a couple of certificates on him. One recorded his birth, the other recorded his death. I checked the wanted file at police headquarters. They had checked him out in 47 when the court had pronounced him dead. On my way out of there, I made two phone calls. The second was to the detective I'd hired. Landro, what are you doing in your office? Did you lose him or get tired? He was on to me, Dollar. He got into the crowds at Macy's. I put the houseman at his hotel on it. He's watching his door. I just phoned his room. He's not there. What's he been up to? He left the hotel at 318 and took a cab over to 3rd Avenue. What address? A pawn shop, Johnny. He bought a gun. Nice going, Landro. If you decide to change over to stopping traffic at school crossings, use me as a reference. Where's your husband, Miss Anderson? He's here, but he Come doesn't... Come on, I want to talk to you both. You have no right to... Where is he? What is it, Grace? Oh, it's you again. That's right. He forced his way into the house. Make him get out, Harold. I will if I have to. Now, look here. I don't know what that imposter has told you, and I don't care. If you choose to believe his lies, that's your business. And a sorry business it is. But I will not allow my wife and my home to be upset by his schemes any longer. Are you through? No, not quite. It's obvious to us, if it's not to you, that this man learned of the unexplained details surrounding Earl's death and is attempting to use this vague resemblance to his advantage. Now, extortionists land in prison, Mr. Dollar. And the only reason I haven't turned to the police before this is that we want to escape the notoriety of having past tragedies lived again. He bought a gun this afternoon. That makes him look like the double-crossed husband, doesn't it? 
man's a maniac. I'm going to ask for police protection. Where is he? Who? This man. Do you know where he is? When I found out he bought a gun, I was afraid he was coming here to use it. Harold, I can't believe this is happening. Now, Grace, please. Why, why? Why would he harm us? He doesn't know us, and we don't know him. He bought the gun to convince you, Dollar. He knows a lot about you, Anderson. He knows you were Chadwick's immediate superior in the loan company before he disappeared. Harold, it, it couldn't be, could it? Grace. It's been a long time. Maybe some disease could change a person that much. But he would have contacted Grace. me. Grace, Earl is dead. How did this man learn so much about us? As far as I can see, he's made only one mistake. The size of the theft. He says he stole 10,000. According to the record, 30,000 was missing. Of course, it's possible that it isn't a mistake. That somebody in the firm who knew what his plan was picked up the odd 20,000 and put it on Chadwick's account. Mr. Dollar, I have one thing to say to you before you leave. Earl Chadwick is dead. You're so right. And that's what troubles me. A legally dead man running around loose with a gun makes an interesting situation. Did you ever think of that? Who would the police look for? I'm going to my hotel in case you want to phone in your answer. Where have you been, Chadwick? Right here. The maid let me in. What's the idea? I was scared somebody was following me. I got the feeling they hired somebody to get rid of me. No. Why not? They haven't thought of that yet. Give me the gun. I need it. Come on, where is it? Never mind. Get away from me. Come on, where are you carrying? Hey! How did you know I had it? What were you going to do with it? I told you I was scared. You thought I was going to kill them? The idea crossed my mind. <laughs> no. What good would that do? How should I know what's going on in that head of yours? Why'd you come back, then? Just to get things straightened out. You wouldn't have had to. I haven't found a way to prove who you are. Oh, I knew I didn't have to come back. But everything was stagnant. Being George Brewster was dull. I thought that's what I wanted. A new identity, even without grace. But I guess nobody's ever satisfied. And when you have a choice of who you want to be, then it's really hard. Uh, what about the x-rays? No good. The set under Chadwick didn't match the one you had taken today. They had to. They made a switch with somebody else's, probably Anderson's. It's an easy office to enter. Probably hired a cat burglar. Nothing at the Hall of Records, nothing at police headquarters. You're dead. What did the police say? I didn't talk to them. Why should I? The case is closed. You're dead. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Yeah? Landro, Johnny. No, oh, yeah. Sorry I blew up. Forget it. I lost him, didn't I? How is it? Oh, it's a mess. I'm not getting any place. The only proof I can find is proof that he's dead. Maybe he should stay there. Eh, yeah, I'm getting ideas myself. What about his draft board? They take prints. Police checked in 47. They lost. Look, I'm going to have to dummy up something. I don't want you to violate any trade secrets, but do you know a good forger? That depends. It'll be practically legal. All I need is a driver's license. I think that can be managed, Johnny. When? Tonight. It'll cost. Well, I'm working for a wealthy company. Oh, there's more, too, Landro. How about meeting us in your office in 45 minutes? Sure, Johnny. Bring a bottle. <laughs> 
Expense account item five, $500, one bogus 1947 driver's license complete with Chadwick's thumbprint. By 10 p.m., we were back in Landro's office. Johnny, how desperate is this, Anderson? Desperate enough to welcome a nice, fast deal. Don't quote a price unless you have to. Just get him down here. Why anybody goes through all this to make prison? <laughs> prison? Come on, Landro, get on the phone. There's the number. You're my client. Mr. Harold Anderson, I'll be blunt. This is blackmail. I'm calling in the interests of Earl Chadwick. No, he isn't. He's alive. But I do have proof. A driver's license he took out just before he disappeared as a sort of a double check on the past. You'll believe it when you see it. It's for sale. He doesn't want to go to prison any more than you do, but he needs money. I said you'd believe it when you saw it. I think it'll be worth a trip over here. We'll talk price then. Ah, uh, ah, uh, we meet here. Number 465 Tight Building, 7th Avenue. It's no bluff. Nobody knows about it. Uh, I'll be alone. He doesn't believe it. When'll he be here? He said 45 minutes. Good. Now don't make the price too high. Set up a meeting with him tomorrow and we'll have the police here. Well, step forth, Lazarus. Empty the ashtrays, Landro. Looks like three men have been here. He arrived at 11.30. Chadwick and I, in an adjoining room with the door cracked, watched his wary entrance. Who are you? The name is on the door. Uh, Landro. You work under a license issued by the state of New York. Sometimes, but the license isn't important tonight. You won't make any trouble. Sit down. Well, Landro? Here it is. Uh-uh, just look. Name, serial number, a date, a signature, and a thumbprint. Where is he? He'll phone me in the morning. Well, where's the man from the insurance company? Looking for Chadwick. He doesn't know about this yet. Why? Why has he waited this long? He didn't know everything that had happened. You and his wife. The money you made on it. What's the price? Well, as he put it to me, it ought to be figured from the 20 grand you took and the advance you've made in the company the last few years. How much? He'd like to start at 15,000. It would take a while. 5,000 tomorrow, say around noon. The other 10 within a week. That's when you get the license. Well, it would have to be later than noon tomorrow, but uh, I brought 1,500 with me. That's a deal. All right. I'll give it to you. Hey, watch it. Don't do it. Anderson. Wait, dollar. Landro, down. Landro. I'm all right. Chadwick. 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 Pulse. Pull his collar down. Nothing? <sighs> Nothing. What your company can do about it now. Both Mr. and Mrs. Anderson gave statements to the police that same night, confessing their contribution to the original crime. You'll have a hard time prying Harold Anderson loose from the clutches of the state, which is working on a murder indictment for him. 
About the wife, Grace? I don't know. If she's not found guilty as an accessory, I'd be happy to appear as a witness if she's brought to trial on fraud charges. As for my part in it, I'm not proud of myself, but I was hired to find a dead man. And I finally found one, just before he lived. Expense account total, $1,575.30. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, The Los Angeles Story. Featured in tonight's cast were Lillian Bieff, Walter Burke, Virginia Gregg, John Boehner, Ben Wright, Tudor Owen, and Ted Osborne. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week at this same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Every Wednesday night, CBS brings you Groucho Marx with his brilliant quiz, You Bet Your Life. It's one of the brightest, most spontaneous, most genuinely funny shows on the air. So be listening this Wednesday night on most of these same CBS stations for You Bet Your Life, starring Groucho Marx. Stay tuned now for the adventures of Philip Marlowe which follow over most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Lone Ranger, followed by Jack Benny. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.